Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast, Book 14, Chapter 10. Because I like to do everything neatly, said Petra, how might this line be challenged by the upcoming battle? Do you think that Petra's trip into the French camp tainted his reality of war, or did he have this romantic view of war prior to that experience? And what are your feelings about the musical dream that Petra had? Is there any significance to it in your opinion? Um, Mississippi Reader said, I think that Petra falling asleep shows that he's still just a child. Despite all the excitement of the next day's events, he couldn't stay awake. And as much as he talked about being too excited to sleep, he couldn't last. Just like a kid on Christmas Eve or before his birthday, despite going to battle, Petra is still just a child. Yeah, that's really how it felt to me as well. He thought he was too excited to go to sleep, but he still dozed off and he had these kind of ecstatic dreams. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I don't know, it was very telling of just how immature he is. Chapter 11 goes like this. The men rapidly picked out their horses in the semi-darkness, tightened their saddle girths and formed companies. Denisov stood by the watchman's hut giving final orders. The infantry of the detachment passed along the road and quickly disappeared amid the trees in the mist of the early dawn and hundreds of feet splashing through the mud. The assault gave some orders to his men. Petcher held his horse by the bridle, impatiently awaiting the order to mount. His face, having been bathed in cold water, was all aglow and his eyes were particularly brilliant. Cold shivers ran down his spine and his whole body pulsed rhythmically. While I have everything ready, asked Denisov. Bring the horses. The horses were brought. Denisov was angry with the Cossack because the saddle girths were too slack. Reproved him and mounted. Petcher put his foot in the stirrup. His horse by habit made as if to nip his leg, but Petcher leaped quickly into the saddle, unconscious of how his own weight, and turning to look at the hussars starting into the darkness behind him, rode up to Denisov. Vasily Dmitrich, entrust me with some commission, please, for God's sake, said he. Denisov seemed to have forgotten Petcher's very existence. He turned to glance at him. I ask one thing of you, he said sternly, to obey me and not shove yourself forward anywhere. He did not say another word to Petcher, but rode in silence all the way. When they had come to the edge of the forest, it was noticeably growing light over the field. Denisov talked in whispers with the Assault, and the Cossacks rode past Petcher and Denisov. When they had all ridden by, Denisov touched his horse and rode down the hill. Slipping onto their haunches and sliding, the horses descended with their riders into the ravine. Petcher rode beside Denisov, the pulsation of his body constantly increasing. It was getting lighter and lighter, but the mist still hid distant objects. Having reached the valley, Denisov looked back and nodded at a Cossack beside him. The signal, said he. The Cossack raised his arm, and a shot rang out. In an instant, the tramp of horses galloping forward was heard. Shouts came from various sides, and then more shots. At the first sound of trampling hoofs and shouting, Petcher lashed his horse, and, loosening his rein, galloped forward, not heeding Denisov, who was shouted, shouting at him. It seemed to Petcher that at the movement... Sorry, at the moment the shot was fired, it suddenly became as bright as noon. He galloped to the bridge. Cossacks were galloping along the road in front of him. On the bridge he collided with a Cossack who had fallen behind, but he galloped on. In front of him 
Soldiers, probably Frenchmen, were running from right to left across the road. One of them fell in the mud under his horse's feet. Cossacks were crowding about a hut, busy with something. From the midst of that crowd, terrible screams arose. Petya galloped up, and the first thing he saw was the pale face and trembling jaw of a Frenchman clutching the handle of a lance that had been aimed at him. Hurrah, lads! Owls, shouted Petya, and giving rein to his excited horse, he galloped forward along the village street. He could hear something. He could hear shooting ahead of him. Cossacks, hussars, and ragged Russian prisoners, <coughs> excuse me, who had come running from both sides of the road, were shouting something loudly and incoherently. A gallant-looking Frenchman in a blue overcoat, capless and with a frowning red face, had been defending himself against the hussars when Petya galloped up. The Frenchman had already fallen. Too late again flashed through Petya's mind, and he galloped on to the place from which the rapid firing could be heard. The shots came from the yard of the landowner's house he had visited the night before with Dolokhov. The French were making a stand there behind a wattle fence in a garden thickly overgrown with bushes, and were firing at the Cossacks who crowded at the gateway. Through the smoke, as he approached the gate, Petya saw Dolokhov, whose face was of a pale greenish tint, shouting to his men, Go round, wait for the infantry, he exclaimed as Petya rode up to him. Wait, hurrah, hurrah, shouted Petya, and without pausing a moment galloped to the place whence came the sounds of firing and where the smoke was thickest. A volley was heard and some bullets whistled past, while others plashed against something. The Cossacks and Dolokhov galloped after Petya into the gateway of the courtyard in the dense, wavering smoke. Some of the French threw down their arms and ran out of the bushes to meet the Cossacks, while others ran down the hill toward the pond. Petya was galloping along the courtyard, but instead of holding the reins, he waved both his arms about rapidly and strangely, slipping farther and farther to one side of his saddle. His horse, having galloped up to the campfire, that was smouldering in the morning light, stopped suddenly, and Petya fell heavily onto the wet ground. The Cossacks saw that his arms and legs jerked rapidly, though his head was quite motionless. A bullet had pierced his skull. After speaking to the senior French officer who came out of the house with a white handkerchief tied to his sword and announced that they surrendered, Dolokhov dismounted and went up to Petya, who lay motionless with outstretched arms. Done for, he said with a frown and went to the gate to meet Denisov, who was riding toward him. Killed, cried Denisov, recognising from a distance the unmistakably lifeless attitude, very familiar to him, in which Petya's body was lying. Done for, repeated Dolokhov, as if the utterance of these words afforded him pleasure, and he went up to the prisoners, who were surrounded by Cossacks, who had hurried up. We won't take them, he called out to Denisov. Denisov did not reply, he rode up to Petya, dismounted and with trembling hands turned toward himself the blood-stained, mud-bespattered face which had already gone white. I'm used to something sweet. Raisins. Fine ones. Take them all, he recalled Petya's words. And the Cossacks looked round in surprise at the sound like the yelp of a dog with which Denisov turned away, walked to the wattle fence and seized hold of it. Among the Russian prisoners, Rescued by Denisov and Dolokhov was Pierre Bezikov. All right, Jesus, what a chapter. They've gone in to rescue some prisoners, Russians. Petch has fallen, 
and look who they've pulled out of the prison camp. None other than Pierre. <laughs> Alright. Have your say about that one on the subreddit, and I'll see you tomorrow.